Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode five hundred and thirty-two. Coming to you on Monday, January twenty-ninth. Going to look at the current uh, landscape of USC football. Talk about when the Trojans can compete. Uh, we're talking about the Jen Cohen interview over at the Parastyle Podcasts and discuss that and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. We are there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, tune in, wherever you find a pod. We're there. Email address, reignoftroy at fanside.com. And our phone number, 818-643-7227. Second Woods Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are here live. Live on the YouTube. Live. Uh, welcome to everybody in the chats. Rama Murdy says hello and fight on. We got Tim. We got Kenny. We got Matthew. We got people... Join in the chat uh, right away. Uh, super pumped to have you guys here, as always, on YouTube. Uh, Alicia, a lot to, lot to get to in this episode. Um, we're all, already at the end of January, which is nuts. Um, we could do that, you know, stereotypical. Like, One month down. Can, can you believe? <laughs> Eight months to go. Can, can you believe how quick this year has gone? <laughs> We could do we could do that it's, sort of thing. It's already it's already going. Yeah, yeah. It's things things are moving along. Uh, a lot of things moving along, um, including. Have you heard about the new deal from DraftKings is moving along? Uh, perfect time for you guys to jump on board. Uh, they're offering a fantastic sign-up bonus for new users. You can place a $5 bet on anything to instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. Perfect for that uh, that big game that's coming up soon um, in a couple of weeks. We'll also be able to be rewarded with separate no-sweat single-game parlays every single day when you opt in. The best part is you'll receive both the rewards even if your first bet loses. So when you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our, our promo code Reign of Troy using that code Reign of Troy, all one word. Not only gets you the great bonuses, uh, but directly supports the podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Reign of Troy to maximize those first bets. Parlay is the offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly uh, and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Alicia, yeah, I mentioned 
the the big game coming up soon. We we finally got two teams for that one in the uh, the pro league. Uh, Niners the, and Chiefs. The the not rigged because the Chiefs. I mean because the Ravens and uh, 49ers aren't meeting mm-hmm. up in a purple and red. Super Bowl. Yeah, the, the script the script writers sort of screwed up a little it's, bit. It's very it's very red. I I, I saw a tweet that was uh, so it's red versus red Taylor's version, and I thought oh, that God. was funny. So I, there is nothing I, I want that. less than the Chiefs to just go away. I'm see, done with the Chiefs. See, and I'm and I'm completely on the opposite spectrum. No, get, I, get them out of here. I was Nobody a massive can... Patriots hater for the entire Patriots dynasty. I was miserable every year because I hated watching the Patriots win. And I'm kind of happy because this Chiefs dynasty is rolling. They're winning everything. I expect them to win the Super Bowl because I don't bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Ten and times I, and more I nauseating. I like them. I like Patrick oh, Mahomes. God. I like Andy Reid. I like Travis Kelsey. I I I. What, why am, is Patrick I, Mahomes in every single commercial? Because he's Patrick Mahomes, and, and he's he's got no charisma. He doesn't, but. Andy like, like, Tom and Brady Andy didn't Reed have any charisma, but at least uh, he, none of them he, he, have charisma unless no, they're Peyton like, Manning. At, at least Tom Brady, you know, was like model hot at one point. Like, <laughs> what does Mahomes have going for him in these commercials other than he's Mahomes and wins a lot of football games? He Nothing. has the graveliest voice that you've ever heard. That's what he has going for I, him. I just, I can't do it. And I can't do it with the, the thing that you mentioned, too. Like, God, I'm it, not. A, I'm. Not, I wouldn't classify myself as a Swifty. I appreciate Taylor Swift's music, but I. I mostly am now. I feel like it's like when you see one side that's so fervently in one direction, it makes you more of an extremist I, on the other direction. That's how I feel about the Taylor Swift stuff. Like the more I see people hate the Taylor Swift well, stuff, the more I love the Taylor Swift stuff. Like I was straight up smiling watching all of the post game with. Her and Travis, and they look—they just look really happy, oh, and I love that. I love that gag, for them. Gag! It's fake. It's phony. <laughs> it's not real. And yep. if he proposes after the Super Bowl, then you really know it's bullshit. <laughs> it's not real. Uh, Kenny in the chat to bring this back to USC says Darnold and Hafanga will get a shot at Super Bowl rings. Uh, yeah. So will Drake Jackson, who I feel like we have just, there's been a lot of Drake Jackson erasure on this <laughs> podcast when discussing the 49ers. Um, but uh, well, yeah, because Drake Jackson and, and Talano Hufanga are both uh, injured, so they won't I, be able to play. I like how Kenny phrased it. Um, Darnold and Hufanga with a shot at Super Bowl rings. Uh, not necessarily saying that they could win them, but they, they could, could get, get rings. Ring. Yes, yes, Hufanga hurts. Darnold the backup, uh, even though it would be a great story if Darnold somehow got in there and, you know, beat Mahomes and whatever. Yeah. Obviously, you don't wish injury upon anybody or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it's a it's interesting situation because the one Trojan who would have had the most impact in the game lost on, out, on, yeah. on Sunday in Amon Ross. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um <laughs> Janev says we're we're both so interesting. <laughs> I is, I hope this is true. I yes. hope. Uh, all right. Uh, before before we get into anything else, um, want to get to a YouTube comment that we got, uh, in last from last week's episode. Uh, this is from Four Works Two Six Zero One. Let's keep it real. 
USC is at least four to five years away from fielding a decently competitive team. Four to five years away from competing, from fielding a decently competitive team. Uh, it is how it was worded. I, I, I saw this comment, and I immediately created a rundown and put this into this because. <laughs> I've got so many things. Like, first of all, what does decently competitive team even mean? Because, like, we're literally two months away from SC being tied in the fourth quarter with the team that lost the national championship game. Mind you, SC had the 119th ranked total defense in America and still were literally tied in the fourth quarter facing the team that was the runner-up in the national championship game, Washington, two months ago. And you're saying that they're four to five years away from being decently competitive? No, SC is competitive right now. Uh, what, what, but what do you mean? Do you mean that they're, like, you know, competitive, not, removed from a national, like, being in the playoff? Okay, so I said they were two months away from competing with Washington. Well, they're a year and two, two months from being a two-point conversion away from being in the playoff. Like, if they beat Utah, if they stop that two-point conversion against Utah last season, SC goes 12-0 in the regular season, they they can afford the buffer loss in the Pac-12 championship game, and they go to the playoff. Like, that was, you know, a year and two months ago. If they yeah. can be that close to being decently competitive then they don't have to wait four to five years on the front end now to be decently competitive again. I think SC will be competitive this year. Do I, do I, would I consider them a national title contender? Absolutely not. No, but like, what is the, what do you, what do you mean? Decently competitive? Like, yeah, I think SC is going to be decently competitive. I, I don't think that they're, I don't think there's a single game on the on the schedule next year where you look at it and say SC has literally no chance to win that game. No, they're gonna they're gonna have a puncher's chance in literally every game, even the tough ones. Like they, I, I hate the term decently competitive because <laughs> I think everybody is decently competitive in some sense, and maybe this is just semantics, but. Yeah, I, I, yes, SC needs to, to address a lot of things. You need to make sure that the defensive rebuild sort of takes and holds uh, and is successful and all those things before we start talking about SC as a national championship contender. Um, but in term, but decently competitive? They're decently competitive today. There's a there's a warped sense of, of what competitive means at USC. I, I remember having a lot of conversations in the early early period of the of the last decade about USC sort of being in a in sort of nine win purgatory and how for most teams that's one of their best years ever right and that incredibly USC in the post Pete Carroll era hadn't slipped below uh, a winning record at any point until they got to to um was it 2018 um and how rare that was and how unique that is and how the vast majority of college football fans don't experience college football that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that 100% agree with you on, on this. The idea that USC, it'll take that long for USC to be competitive 
I'm not even going to say decently competitive. I'm going to say just competitive at all in terms of competing for a national title. Um, that timeline is off. I agree that it will be difficult for USC to win a national title in 2024, uh, but USC could be in the playoff in 2024 with a 12-team expanded expanded um, expanded playoff. With a 12-team playoff, they would have been in the playoff uh, with a with a decent chance of doing some real damage, uh, if not for Caleb Williams uh, pulling his hamstring in the in the Pac-12 title game. Um, USC is never that far away because USC is a program that when you find the right person can flip the switch very quickly. Just think about what Pete Carroll did. Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll flipped the switch in two years and that was without the transfer portal being a concept. That was with taking Paul Hackett's players and turning them into Orange Bowl winners in in after one one season of working out the kinks like that's how quickly usc can can always make it happen um if there is skepticism about lincoln riley from this from this commentator then i i could i could understand that being an issue for somebody if if you really think that lincoln riley is all smoke and mirrors and and doesn't actually have what it takes to win a national title um, which is a question that he still has to answer, then you could say that USC is is four years from a national title, five years from 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 being competitive because that's how long it's going to take for USC to end mm-hmm. up getting in a position where they can buy Lincoln Riley out. Um, right. If we're going to sort of just get from a technical point of view, then then I suppose sure. But um, but I I my skepticism about Lincoln Riley is sort of more of a healthy skepticism where he still has to prove that he can get there. But I don't doubt. Uh, that he can get there. I think that when you look at what his offense will always be capable of doing, um, which just has been a consistent a consistent factor, like you pointed out, like this season was miserable, and USC somehow most teams who had a, a defense as terrible as USC's defense would have lost a whole lot more games than USC did. But USC's offense is always competitive; uh, will always be competitive under Lane Riley and. You look at the um, you look at the the defensive changes that that have been made. I think you have to feel a great deal of opt- of optimism about the defensive personnel that's been brought in. Uh, we we've joked about how USC has gone out and got, with the exception of the defensive coordinator himself. Yeah, every single one of USC's uh, of USC's position coaches on defense are overqualified for the job that they're doing. Uh, and and are all exceptional hires, I think, uh, just from a from an objective point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to believe that they're going to come in and, and do something interesting at least with the, with the defense. Does that does an improved defense immediately make USC a national title contender? No, because you look at the the size and physicality of, of teams that win national titles. When you look at Georgia, what the product that Georgia is always going to put on the field. When you look at the way that Ohio state is, is recruiting. When you think about the potential for, you know, if Sharon Moore can keep things together at Michigan and keep, keep the consistent um, identity of that program going forward, then that, then they're always, they're going to be in there. Um, You think about the, Texas, what Steve Sarkeesian has built in, in Texas and, and all of these other programs, they're always going to be super competitive. Um, 
yeah, USC is always going to be in a position where they have to rise up a level in the trenches from where they are right now. Um, but why why can't USC do that, I guess would be my question. Um, USC has gone out and hired an, an NFL defensive line coach who has spent the last handful of years coaching Aaron Donald and just put together a defensive line that was one of the best in the NFL, coached the uh, coached a defensive rookie of the year candidate who led all rookies in sacks and everything. Like Eric Henderson is a is a is a home run hire in the trenches. Who yeah? It, why can't he create the change in the trenches that USC needs defensively in order to actually compete with a team like Georgia or or Alabama or or, or whoever it is? Um, there's no reason USC can't be in that mix with the teams that are in that mix right now. Uh, you have to be honest that USC isn't there right now to completely 100% fair. But USC is not five years away from being in that space. I think they're probably a couple years from being in that space. And and even then, even when you get into that space, you can still end up in Ohio State situation where Ohio State has... <laughs> has recruited the trenches extremely well, has recruited across the board extremely well, and still hasn't been able to get to get over the hump. Yeah. And Texas is going to face questions about how long until they can get over the hump. And, you know, basically everybody but Georgia is, a, especially Michigan too, is uh, because Michigan is losing literally everybody, including their strength and conditioning coach, including their defensive coordinator, including all the, everybody's in a position where they're one year away from having a dip and one year away from having a, a rise. I, I think that the right. new, the new reality in college football is that uh, it's probably a little bit more like the NBA than, than it's ever been in the sense of you can just hit on the right group of players in the right moment. And, and, a lot of a lot of boom and bust without the sort of the tanking element, but yeah, yeah, you can have guys come in and and change things really quickly. Dave in the chat says you question if more at Michigan can keep it rolling, but are confident in Lincoln Riley making the playoffs? Wow, that makes no sense. How many have transferred out since Harbaugh left? I don't think either one of us are confident in Lincoln Riley making the no, playoffs hold, hold, as it stands right now because no, of the, the defense. No, I think you. I think USC can make the playoffs because it's an expanded twelve team. Uh, but but can is not but can is not will absolutely and also Michigan Michigan hasn't people hasn't had people transfer out because number one they hired the interim coach but also who's gonna transfer from Michigan they're losing their starting lineup on both sides of the ball like I'm sorry they don't have a lot of players who are in a position to transfer most of their starters are leaving for the NFL um, you know, the, most of the people who were going to leave that program have already left that program before any of this, before any of this happened. They have a bajillion questions to answer on both sides of the ball about um, uh, about how they're going to be able to 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 reload incredibly an incredibly veteran unit uh, units that that won them a national title, uh, like. I'm not going to doubt Michigan because I I think that one of the things that I have been reflecting on very recently because of I'm wearing my Liverpool uh, jersey today for those who aren't watching on YouTube is uh, Jurgen Klopp is 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 leaving Liverpool at the end of the year at the end of the season 
and he's been at at Liverpool for nine years, and he's won Champions League, he's won Premier League, he's won uh, he's won everything. And his big thing that he preaches is about like the culture and about being able to identify players who are willing to to give themselves away to to the team in the sense of of buying in and the importance of togetherness and everybody pulling together and, and all of that. And I think that what Jim Harbaugh did at Michigan over the last two years that was very impressive was he really galvanized that program and built a culture at that program of togetherness and of us against the world mentality and all of that kind of stuff. You see Kirby Smart is doing that and has done that at Georgia. That's why he talks about how people doubt them because that's how you bring the team sort of uh, of together. And I think that keeping Sharon Moore allow, will allow them to potentially keep that continuity of culture. But also, right. Sharon Moore has a huge task ahead of him with he has to find a new DC who doesn't break that chain of culture. He needs to go find a new strength and conditioning coach who doesn't break that chain of culture. Oh yeah, the strength and conditioning coach. You know, you know, those are the real difference makers. Remember? Well, I mean, to be fair though, um, they strength and conditioning coaches do play a big role in yes, no, in no, I, culture. I, you sure. and I both agree that the that the role of strength and conditioning coaches in terms of like injury prevention and well, uh it's, you know size and all that kind of stuff is, yeah it's all it's but it's it's more about like it's the the culture within the team of, of how hard you work and all that kind of stuff it does matter and the strength and conditioning coach at michigan has been credited with being a big part of the culture building at that program he's right. now gone where do you go from there i think every coach out there is just trying to find a way to build a winning culture and mm-hmm. very few of them by the way managed to do that on a sustained basis. Right. Kirby Smart is the only established coach in college football right now with a truly winning culture to his name. Um well I may I mean I suppose Dabo Swinney I'm I'm doing him dirty, but like even Dabo is a really good example of how you can have a program that had really strong winning culture and then at a certain point you can lose that you well, can lose I, no, a step. I would say that Clemson still has the culture, but they yes. don't have the other stuff. Yeah, they don't. Right? Well, yeah, and, and there's a lot of reasons of why they might be just sort of lacking yeah. on, on. Yeah. On to, all of to, this. to go back to the stuff that Dave was talking, talking about in the, the chat, I think there's a difference between like winning a national championship and and being competitive. The 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 question that we were going off of from or the comment that we were talking about at the beginning that we got on YouTube last week was about. SC being four to five years away from feel, quote fielding a decently competitive team, that does not it's it's not saying four or five years away from winning a national championship. Yeah. Four to five years from winning a national championship, I think, is a sound, reasonable opinion. Like, yeah, like I I don't think that that's I I, I think that that's the vast majority of teams are four to five ways at <laughs> least or longer, yeah, right? <laughs> but like the but decently competitive. Which is, I would is, say is, is the word I, being in the playoff. I, I don't even think it's being in the com- playoff that is decently competitive. I think it is. I being, imagine that this person is talking about decently competitive in the sense that, like, can you win a playoff game? Well, sure, but like, that's not what those words "decently competitive" mean. Right. I'm just sort of reading between the lines. And, and, I, I, again, I, maybe it, maybe I'm just you know focusing on semantics way too much here. I get it, but like, yeah. I no, I. I I don't think SC is going to make the playoff this upcoming year. Uh, I would not say that they're going to win 10 games. Um, but if you look at historically, well, where is that 12, 
playoff team cutoff. Well, like, like, where is it? It's, it's nine and three, ten and two. If, if you're mm-hmm. if you're nine and three, you have a prayer to get in. But if you're ten and two, you're most likely going to get in. And I don't think it's insane to say that SC could on the very upper side of their ceiling be 10 and two this upcoming season. Am I going to predict that? No, like I'm not predicting that she is going 10 and two, but like, I think that that might be where their ceiling is. So like, yeah, like I, I think that there's a, these are, these are possibilities. These are, if everything goes right. Um, but right now SC's is a seven win team. Uh, sorry, eight and five, I guess. But they're a seven-win team in in the regular season. They've got to prove that they've taken a step forward. Given the improvements on defense, I think it's more than fair to say that SC is probably a at least one game better. Oh, at, I would I would wager with the with an improved defense, which I am anticipating. Yeah, I think that SC is, is at least is at least one game. I would put like, the over under there at. at one and a half, and I sure, take but, the over. But I, th- but I think that if you just t- very conservatively, I think SC is probably one game better. Um, you factor in they're losing Caleb Williams, the factor in the improvement of the defense. SC more like realistically right now is probably like one game better, eight and four, as it stands right now. If you put a gun in my head, I'm, I'd, I'd be like eight and four. I think is a, a reasonable expectation for where SC is going into next season. Can I ask what the four losses are? Let's just do this exercise. Oh, God. Are we doing this? Uh, uh, Michigan? Yeah, Uh, at the big house for sure. um, I mean, I I guess LSU just for sheer chalk, but I, I... We've talked about it before. Like I, I, the the problem is like the, the the I think the landscape is so difficult for to, to pick who those four losses are next year. Yeah, because so many teams are rebuilding. Like you talked about, it's the it's the whole NBA thing. Like teams that you think that were that were good in this year, like three teams in the playoff, three of the four teams in the playoff don't have their coach anymore. Yeah, like like that's how crazy the landscape is. Uh, is changing. Texas is the only one, and Texas was the one who you would probably, with with Sark, Sark would probably be the fourth ranked coach in the playoff, right? If you were ranking the four head coaches in the playoff, Sark's the fourth, more than likely, and they're the only yeah. ones that retain their their head coach. Like, and that's just the playoff. But like, everything in college football is changing so much next year that I I think it's so difficult. I say next year, this year, I guess. Yeah, it's so next difficult season. to predict what it's going to be. So See, I, 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 would, I guess if you if you're going strictly chalk of what SC's um losses are, four games, I guess Michigan, uh, uh LSU, um Penn State and Notre Dame, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 LSU, Michigan, Penn State, um and Notre Dame are but, are are what I would circle as the most likely losses on USC's schedule. Right. Uh, but, but recognizing probably, that we literally have no idea what Washington's going to be. Um, right. <laughs> like I, Washington at Washington is was a game that I was very nervous about, and now I. It's a good thing that game is in November because we'll know a whole lot more about Washington. Right. 
by the time that game shows up, then we will be able to even guess going, yeah. into, but, but going real, into this year. Realistically, given how college football works, SC probably loses to Minnesota but beats Penn State, uh, and then yeah. um, beats Notre Dame but loses at Maryland. You know what I mean? Like, like realistically, like that's how football works, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I either way, like I, I think it's less about the, the four games. I and we we talked about this before. The record itself, it, obviously, it matters. But like, I'm thinking that when you're talking about in your head of what you think of as an eight and four team, I think right now, I think just assume a, SC is an eight and four team until. Like I think SC has done enough in the offseason with their with the changes and in the coaching staff to promote them from a seven and five to an eight and four team. And until you see more, i.e., until you see what they look like on September first against LSU, um don't change that to go up or down until then. Just assume eight and four, and I think it's a reasonable expectation going into uh, the season Kenny See, says and I'm, I'm on, nine and three is realistic. I'm with Kenny on the nine. I'm I'm on the nine and three. Um, I think nine and three is your starting point if you're USC. Personally. Yeah, but but that's me. Um, and 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 that's yeah. I I just if we're starting at a if it's a starting point of nine and three, then that can go either way to me. Eight and four, ten and two. Sure. And yeah. this year, this. Uh, uh, this year, there wasn't a two-loss team that would have gotten left out of a 12-team field. Right, yeah. So, that's all we're saying. Is is uh, I think it's very easy to be doom and gloom. Um, I But I think that there's also a sense of um, things, things can change for the better quickly as well as they changed for the worse quickly this year. And, uh, and that's always a, a possibility when it comes to USC. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a shout out to uh super chat we got from Gary and Dana Point. Hey. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers with some good old uh, water. Um, Yeah, I it's it's going to be interesting to see how the sort of season goes together with, with, with everything because we've talked about before that the schedule next year is just so weird. Like... Uh, it's impossible because it, it's impossible to understand where everyone's going to be because Washington was just in the national championship game. SC lost against Washington 52 42 in a game in a shootout that that SC had more than a puncher's chance of during that game. Right. But that is not remotely the same team anymore. Washington and Michigan. We can copy paste the commentary on both of those. Those teams. Yeah. neither have the head coach that that got them to where they were last year. Both are losing the vast majority, all if if not all of their starters from their playoff. And, from their Washington playoff State, teams. Ha- I mean, Washington is changing their entire. Washington's coaching losing staff. their entire coaching staff, and they're too deep. I, I mean, like when yeah. there is a picture floating around of the Washington too deep that went to the national championship game with the names crossed out of ones who won't be there, mm-hmm. and it is all like. Yeah, one of their star corners. Like ninety percent of them are are, are are gone. Yeah, the star um, star corner Jabbar Muhammad, uh, yeah. turning heel and going to yeah. to Oregon. Like a lot. L- LSU lost their Heisman winning quarterback and had mm-hmm. just as many defensive questions as USC did. They're right. they they have a lot of the same questions that that USC does. Um, 
The best, uh, Greg pointed out, would you agree that Riley Leonard is the best quarterback USC will face or Drew, Drew Aller? Just think about that. Think about in this in this disastrous season for USC that's just passed, um, the quarterbacks that USC faced, if you ranked the quarterbacks that USC will face in the 2024 season collectively with the quarterbacks that USC faced in the 2023 season, I think Riley Leonard isn't necessarily in competition for the top, for the top, top, 10? top five. Like, no, like I, I, Penix, Knicks, um, uh, uh, Hartman, um, Fafita, um, who am I? There's the, the, the list was insane of all the guys that SC played this past year. Uh, Shooter Sanders. Sanders. Um, yeah. Um, my mind is blanking yeah, all of a sudden. They, the, the rest are not necessarily uh, San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State. No. Yeah, uh, Utah. Because Riley Leonard Bryson is probably Barnes, like no. like sixth or seventh on that Cal, list. Cal, no. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's my point. It's like USC faced a, a a a murderer's row of quarterbacks this year. The toughest that probably SC will ever face ever. And next year, the best quarterback that USC will face is arguably Riley Leonard, who I really like, by the way. Yeah. But he's also at the same not- time. Would you have would you have had Noah Fafita on that list a year ago? That's true. No, yeah, I, I certainly would not have. So. And and he was there. So like guys are going to come into the fold. There's, yeah. There's there's freshmen who haven't gotten an opportunity yet who are going to end up being good quarterbacks. Plus, but that's I, un- I don't like that's how unpredictable all of this right, is. Yeah. Because like Drew Aller is 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 a quarterback who's just. To me, and I'm the famous last words, but like the epitome of just like meh, he's, he's whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's the second best quarterback on USC schedule right now, realistically. Right. Yeah. I, K- I, Cam in the chat says SC will really have to change their mentality and physicality because SC will be more talented in some ways in the periphery, but the Big Ten is way more physical in the trenches than the Big than the Pac-12. I, yes and we, and no, we say all, I, and, and we say all this recognizing that like as many questions as we are pointing out for them we're pointing those questions out because those are the things that we're not thinking about right. we all know the massive questions that USC has like for, for sure I I think that when it comes to the to like the physicality of the defense and all that stuff and going back to the stuff that Dave P had in the chat earlier about Michigan's defense and and all that yes Michigan's defense would have you know absolutely shut down SC because of winning the the battle at the line you look back at the Cotton Bowl in 2017 and how SC got shut down uh, with the Ohio State line that had, you know, a, a Bosa on it, right? Like, this is, yes, I, I think that when you when you talk about the physicality, I think it is difficult, but that's, I think it's Michigan, it's Ohio State, it's Penn State, in some ways, Wisconsin, and in some ways, Iowa. And after that, I don't think that it all still applies. You also like you're t- we're talking about an SC schedule that has already had to play Notre Dame every year, an SC schedule that has had to play Utah every year. You're like I get that the that the the narrative and the idea is that the the Big Ten is black and blue, physical, hard nosed, three yards in a cloud of dust, one in the trenches football, and and there's a reason for that narrative to exist, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it's that infallible, especially when SC already like Oregon for the longest time, like we're, we're talking like what 
it's been six, seven years now. Oregon and has been just about the most physical team in the country. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like dominating games on the offensive line, just like Utah is. Like SC has played teams like that before. Um, Washington this year certainly wasn't as stout in the trenches as they have been before. Um, but they've had those teams too. Like, I don't think that like SC is going to play this kind of football that they've never played before. And it's just going to be like shocking. And they're going to go into a game against Rutgers where like, they're just pushed off the ball in a way that was different than say what Cal or ASU could do to SC. Like if SC is losing games in the line of scrimmage, I think that's because SC is not good enough on the lines. I think it's less about because of the vaunted style of the Big Ten. This is, I, I could not agree more. And and I wanted to point out a, a comment that Michael uh, in the chat said, the teams that can hold together and develop an offensive line for consecutive years will have the advantage uh, in, the, in the current climate. That is 100% the thing. USC right now is where they're at in part, in large part, because they have not recruited the trends that, recruited and developed the trenches well enough. Right. But USC not recruiting and developing the trenches well enough is a right now problem. It's not a historical problem. Yeah. Otherwise, USC's record against the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl would not be as good as it is. So it's it's not like there's a barrier to USC being a team that can go toe-to-toe with the physicality of the, of the, of the Big Ten uh, landscape. It's that if USC can't do that, it's because USC did something wrong, not because USC, Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's about your capability and your, and, and, and how well you, you execute the plan to get there, right? Yeah. There is nothing stopping USC structurally from getting there. Right. Yeah, uh, Cam in the chat says it's different, Michael, when you play two to three teams on the schedule versus eight, nine teams on the schedule. Even Rutgers and, and Maryland are physical. You just don't have the Pac-12's quarterback in wideouts. Yeah, well, I, but, I, but that's but that's my I, point, though. Is like that's the great equalizer. Okay, so USC might get beat up a little bit by by yeah. playing, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Penn State and Maryland and Rutgers all 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 in a row, but those teams don't have the quarterbacks and wide receivers. That it's, you a, it's, like, a different, it's, it's a different, it's a different part of the, yeah. of, of the whole um, uh, blanket theory thing, right? Yes. Like you, like you, like you got to leave your, your, your head or your toes exposed. What, what, are, what are, are you exposing? You yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those kind of things where, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yes. In terms of physicality, the, the Rutgers, especially under Shiano is probably more physical, physical than say um the air raid cal teams of 2014 yeah like absolutely um but like i don't i don't know that that makes it more difficult honest like yes sc has issues on the offensive line but like they have issues on the offensive line against everybody so like i don't know that that it, i i i i hear you about the like the you know the the depth of the physicality stuff but like to go to what kenny was saying in the chat too like look at what michigan penn state and ohio state do to the rest of the the big 10 yeah it's the big 10 is not as competitive as the pac-12 has been um the big 10 does not eat itself like the pac-12 has 
And I know that a lot of that has been like looked at as the like the detriment of the Pac-12 that, oh, the Pac-12 couldn't produce playoff teams because they would just beat each other up. And, and, and that, that was a flaw of the Pac-12. I don't necessarily think that it always was, though. This past year, like literally everybody in the Pac-12 could have beaten somebody like, you know, ASU had Washington on the ropes at, at one point, right? Like this was the best Pac-12 season that we've ever seen. Um, cause there's just so many great teams there. And well, I mean, and, Washington beat Texas. A, a team yeah. That- and I, yeah. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I understand the, the, the worry about going to the big 10. I just don't think it's, I just think it's a little overblown. Like, I, I agree SC with what, has played tough teams all the time. Yeah, I agree with what Daniel says in the chat. These physical teams also don't play offenses that operate at the pace that Lincoln can as well. You saw Michigan struggle to score against Washington until the very end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 um it's a style it's a style matchup. And and the sure. style matchup um style matchups don't always favor just the one side of the different style. Sometimes it's a it's about which team does what they do better, you know? If USC is going to have to win games by just being more finesse, then they have to do finesse at the at the perfect at at, at perfection and they'll be and they'll be able to to have that be the thing that gets them over the hump at least at least for right now. I think we all agree that USC needs to get more physical in the trenches though, not just to it's not just about competing with the, uh, the the physicality of teams in in the Big Ten, but if USC wants to win national titles, they need to do both. They need to be yeah. the best team physically and also do mm-hmm. the finesse offense that right. just that that that, well, that that rolls through you. When Ohio State is on their game, they are great at doing both. Yes, yeah. When Oregon is on their game, yeah, they are people, great like, at doing like, both. It's not like Ohio State hasn't been running a spread offense this entire damn time. Yes, yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways, stylistically, yeah. Ohio State, Oregon, Alabama are the pinnacle. Yes. In the sense of they can run with you, but they can also punch you in the face and control the line of scrimmage. They can do both of those things at elite levels. And I think that those three teams have the highest ceilings of anybody because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Georgia, um, I almost is there's, they're so good on defense and they're so good in the trenches that it doesn't matter. They don't need this amazing and incredible offense. The same thing with Michigan this past year, right? Like their offense was pretty good, but like, they can be a world beater just be being pretty good. Their defense is that great, right? But where the I best, think, where I think the best of both worlds is Oregon, Ohio State, and Alabama. The best of both worlds. And that's is, what SC yeah, wants is, to be, is right? What Nick Saban ended up building in Alabama. They had yeah. the biggest, baddest defense in the land, and also an offense run by Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian that would right. absolutely put you on fire. Sure. So and, you and know that's the goal. The goal I, is to do both, right? And I recognize that, like you know, saying this, the best of both worlds, blah, blah, blah. And yet those are the teams that, yeah, sure, surely have flamed out in the playoffs. See, but but see, you know, what is a classic Pete Carroll team? The the, the best Pete Carroll team, 2004, is a defense that is full of All-Americans that'll punch you in the mouth and an offense with Heisman Trophy winners in it. Mm Mm-hmm run by Norm Chow. Like that's right. USC has done poor Kinellos on this. But and I USC would, is ca- is one, actually one of the few teams that is capable of consistently yeah, 
bringing in what you need. Whereas that, say, the 2007 team, which should have won a national championship if it mm-hmm. wasn't for, uh, you know, the faltering uh, in the middle of the season because Booty's injury, and then yeah. they they go and they lose to a very good Oregon team valiantly with a backup quarterback, but. Th- that team was, I think, at the end of the year, more than capable of beating anyone on its on its schedule, mm-hmm. um, and was very much in line with what Georgia is now, where it's like there was a world beater defense in two thousand seven, yeah. um, that didn't have to be elite on offense, even though they had a lot of great playmakers on offense. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about. You mentioned all Americans. ESPN has a two early all American team out for 2024 there is one trojan on there first teamer first team all returner um zachariah branch uh alicia do you agree is he the most likely trojan to be an all-american in 2024 i think him being uh, on a too early all-american team as a returner is a a no-brainer um absolutely he did it as a freshman he did it as a freshman he's uh he's coming back uh I, th- I think that's a, an easy, certainly, certainly an easier projection than any of the ones that you and I are going to try to do right now. Yeah. Just scrolling through here really quick. Carson, Carson Beck being picked as the quarterback seems insane. I me. get it though, because just like we talked about, like it's so hard to nail down what USC schedule is going to actually look like. Yeah. But um, like how, how do you- the, the quarterback movement, it, it's, like honestly, it's but, basically it's it's who who who? How do you not is, pick Dylan Gabriel there? Because he's going to play at Oregon and he's not Georgia. I mean, they've got Dylan Gabriel of second team. Yeah, like he plugs in and he's he plugs in for everything that Nix was going to do. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah. So talk talk to me about your 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 all Americans of the future. Okay, so I wanted to do an exercise where we decide which USC player is the most likely to be the next All-American at USC. And I had to think about this. Next new All-American. So we're not talking about Zachariah Branch. We are not talking about Zachariah Branch. Okay. We, we are, Zachariah Branch is already the first team returner. I'm, I'm sort of thinking more offense, defense. Who, who will be the most likely to take that step to be an All-American? And... My picks are kind of optimistic in the sense that, like, if these, if either of these came true, then that would be a very, very good signal for what comes forward for USC. Um, so my thought was on defense, I think you could, there's a shout for one of the transfers, but I think Bear Alexander has, at this point, potentially name recognition enough. Um, and could when you think about what Eric Henderson has done with defensive linemen in the NFL, um, I think Bear Alexander is 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 a guy to to look, look out for. Is somebody who has the talent ceiling that you that would need mm-hmm. the name recognition and uh, the the potential to to go out there and and be that dude. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a strong call. I, I just have a. I, I find it so difficult because it's defensive line is so much of so much of an eye test win, and where I like I think that when it comes to USC All Americans, especially on a team that's maybe not a national championship contender, 
um, like like a team that I that's not top five going into the season. You sort of need statistics to sort of back you up, right? Like you sort of need like, yeah, Drake London's going to be this guy because he leads in this category, this category, and this category. And I think for defensive tackle, it's so difficult. And it usually ends up with, it's the great defensive tackle on the great defense. Yeah. <laughs> Probably that team is the great defense because of their defensive tackle, right? And so certainly I think that it could be Barry Alexander, I just think the mo- most likely scenario is I know we're not talking about Zachariah Branch, but like I think it could be Zachariah Branch at receiver or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would be um, certainly certainly possible if he has a breakout season as a receiver. Um, I could see him getting All American votes. C- certainly yeah. easier than the fact like he could be an All American on a season where USC doesn't have a good season. Yeah, uh, where Bear Alexander won't be an All-American unless USC is having a very good season right, but defensively. The yeah. other thing is, like, if Bear Alexander is so clearly a an All-American by by the by the eye tests and his, you know, PFF grades and whatever yeah. other thing you want to use um, shows how good he is, if that's the case, that might be the best option, the, the best indicator of how well the FC season that, That's That's sort of right? my like, point. Is like that- I, I think you would... You would take you would you would want Bear Alexander to be the All American more than anybody else. If right? you told me that Bear Alexander was a twenty twenty four All American and then asked me what USC's record is, it's 10 and I two. would I would say eleven and one. So it's at least ten and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if Zachariah Branch is the All American, it's at, at it receiver, still could be eight and four. It it. It could be five and seven. Yeah, like it could be anything, right? Like, well, I don't know if five and seven in that case, but yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, you know I'm totally I mean? like, with you. No, yeah. he catches 120 balls or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, it's the 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 wide receiver it, sort it of all American thing. It could be anything. We've seen great wide receivers yeah. at USC get recogn- national recognition when the team itself wasn't that good. Right. Uh, so I'm going to go out with another another on option on offense that I think would also be an extremely positive indicator okay. of how things have gone at USC but that I think is is quite realistic because of one thing, because of something you just mentioned, because PFF All-Americans exist. <laughs> and sure. Jonah Monheim returning on the offensive line with, I think, a more stable offensive line around him um, in, in his sort... I think Jonah Monheim could have his Andrew Voorhees year. I think he could have his Austin Jackson year. I think he could have his Elijah Rear Tucker year where he is just your old reliable veteran on that offensive line mm-hmm. and he gets the recognition from from maybe not the the you know major selectors but from a from a service like PFF that is doing grades yeah that Jonah Monheim would be a pick for me as a a very possible um candidate for that yeah uh, I, I think it would be interesting. Um, I don't know that it's as sure of an indicator that SC is, is playoff caliber. good, yeah. But I think it would be, uh, I w- you said Jonah Monaheim was an All-America. I'm like, okay, they're at least nine and three, probably. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, if Jonah Monaheim is an help. All-American, then that, ge- that would generally indicate to me that USC's offense has not taken a drastic step back. Sure. Um, and uh, and that, Which that would I think be a good the sign. offense just stays the same. Yeah. 
the, the offense can stay the same. Like, yeah, I, I know that obviously you want the, the receivers to take, take a big step forward. Uh, I think you want the offensive line to take a big step forward, all those things. But if the offense stay like the offense stay in the, like the offensive growth is not the, the focal. That's not what's holding SC back. That's the defense. Yeah. From winning a lot of games this past year. The offense just needs to take not a drastic step back with yes. Caleb Williams not running the show. Right. Which, by the way, I think the Holiday Bowl was a really good um, good example. Not not the end-all, be-all example, to be mm-hmm. fair, because a bowl game is a bowl game, and it's right. hard to say. But a really good example of how the offense doesn't have to take a big step back. Um, the offense no. can just yeah. be... Well, remember when we, what was it, four years ago, five years, going on five years ago, when SC got Graham Harrell at uh, at offensive coordinator, and there was the big discussion about who would be the quarterback. Would it be, uh, would it be JT Daniels? Would it be uh, Matt Fink? Would it be that that freshman Keaton Slovis? Oh, right, right, right. And I went to bat so loudly the quarterback doesn't matter the quarterback doesn't matter this isn't if this is truly an air raid system then the quarterback doesn't matter because in literally every other air raid system there they replace quarterbacks willy-nilly and it does not matter that uh, washington state will would under leach would every uh, single one just boom 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 yeah. they all kept that offense taken. every single you get some dude some dude from some podunk jc and like backwoods idaho and you're like who's this dude and then all of a sudden he's thrown for 4500 yards right like yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter sc does not run the air raid um however there's air raid concepts and all those things and i think the 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 offense if it is on schedule is designed to get guys open we can we can argue until we're you know blue in the face about whether or not sc's offense succeeds enough in doing that but i think the holiday bowl showed that there that the system itself can succeed with just about anybody at quarterback and that's not a knock on Miller Moss that's more of a sig- signal of like l- there's a reason that every quarterback that Lincoln Riley has had has succeeded and if you want to I, I I know I say this all the time but if you want to say but Spencer Radler Spencer Radler won his last 13 games as a starting quarterback until he got benched so like he won his last thirteen until games. he got benched for the and, future and then number even one lose the game that he pick. got benched because yeah. <laughs> Caleb Williams won it yeah, yeah. Um, and so like y- yes yes like I I think that the the you know I have said it before that like I don't think that you should expect someone of the caliber of Caleb Williams I don't think you should expect uh, Max uh, Max Williams what am I saying um, Miller Moss wrong wrong M that's MW MM yeah Miller Moss um <laughs> you you shouldn't expect him to to be Caleb Williams you shouldn't expect Mayava to be Caleb Williams but I don't think it's unreasonable to expect say the production of Cody Kessler's great season or Sam Darnold's 2016 like those, the production that those two seasons had were great for USC because it was so revolutionary for what we had seen with quarterbacks. But that's just standard. Like that that's that's typical. Like that that is baseline now in college football. So I think SC absolutely can pr- produce that no matter who the quarterback is and it's going to help. Um all right. Uh let's go to the news. We got a fair bit of news. So let's get to to that. 
Lisa, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Maybe not news news, but... There's uh, very little news, but to let's, let, let's talk about Jen Cohen going on the uh, Peristyle podcast. So go listen to that if you haven't. I put a link in the description uh, over on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can switch over after this. Wait until we're done. And then click the link and go watch our friends over the Peristyle podcast. Great interview uh, with, with Jen Cohen. Lisa, she had a lot to say about her job, NIL, facilities, Reggie Bush. What was what was your big takeaway? Uh, she's a very personable person. Uh, I I enjoyed listening to her. She's she feels like she feels like a for lack of a better word, she feels normal. Just like yes, she just yeah. feels like somebody you could sit down with and have a chat about. L- Lynn about Swan life. was a person that you're like, I am never going to interact with this person in real life. Like he doesn't exist in a world in which I also do. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but- I liked, and I liked like Mike Bone, but Mike Bone was also one of those like big personality people who sure. you, you're never quite sure like how much of how much of this yeah. is like real and how much of this is like ah. Jen, Jen Cohen seems like Jen someone Cohen just seems who like a might normal. be in line with you at Ralph's yeah and I mean that in the best way possible yes, you know yeah, what I mean like she's very like, real she seems like a real person yeah like she's 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 human and I and I enjoyed her perspective on on like her like the job itself and and what the job entails and she she sort of described herself as a, a part times like psychologist because she has to just mm-hmm. sort of work with um, the coaches and sort of understand the the coaching staff and and make sure that that she knows what they're motivated by and and to help them through the sort of mental side of of the of the of their job and she's also like a construction worker because part of her job is is like bulldozing the things that are in their way or like coming in like a wrecking ball and just clearing the way for them and making their jobs easier and mm-hmm. um 
She's part like a legal strategist because she's got to deal with all the lawsuits that happen with the NCAA and all that kind of stuff. She's also literally a construction worker. She has to go to all the facilities. She's got to go. I mean, and that's she talked about the facilities upgrades, which are exciting that um, I didn't realize this. Maybe I've just been out of the loop, Michael. Did we have a date for when the new football facilities would be completed? I I thought I remember 2026 being the thing originally, but like I didn't realize way sooner than I expected. We are we're we're a year and eleven months removed from 2026. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So so the uh, the new football facilities and sports science uh, performance center, whatever, is going to be finished in 2026. They've already broken ground on the new practice field. Uh, that will be ready for the fall, which I thought was interesting. Um, I, okay. Th- was I just not paying attention to all this kind of stuff? Like, is, did they have to, is Dato? I think Dato's already. Is Dato gone? I I don't know if it's gone, but I think Dato is already like gone. Like, I think Dato is not in use. Okay. I think they've like, already. Because uh, I, I was like looking at the pictures and stuff like, there's no room to put the extra field there yeah. if Dato is where it is now. Because I know that Dato is sort of going to move and turn uh, with the new Dato and, and, and my, whatnot. But. From what I remember, it's going to be a full-size grass field and a full-size um, uh, turf field, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kenny confirms it's not going to be used for baseball this season. So I think they've already, they're, they, that, the, the, the building that, that's there that was uh, next to the practice field to Howard Jones, I'm assuming that's already in the process of being taken out. Um, but, uh, but, you know, the team's going to have a new practice field, so that's going to be exciting for this, this coming season. Um, and that's, that, was, that was a cool update that's coming very much more quickly than I can mm-hmm. process. But then again... The month of January has gone more quickly than I can process, so there's that. Right. Um, and then she she talked about the Reggie Bush stuff, and nothing new there, but it's it's good to hear her say that they believe that Reggie Bush is a Heisman winner. They want to treat him as such, and tomorrow they would put his jersey and his Heisman back if they had the go-ahead for that. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a good interview. I thought it was worth, worth a listen. really gives you a sort of an insight into into her perspective on, on um, some things and the big 10 move. I thought it was one of the big takeaways I had was the just a little throwaway thing about the big 10 logistical challenge of, um, she was sort of downplaying the travel stuff a little bit. She was sort of talking about how, you know, only 40% of USC student athletes are going to actually be playing big, big 10 road schedules. Um, well, I, I think there's, there's so many sports and think about all the sports that SC has now that are not packed off sports. Yeah. So, like, water polo doesn't it's exist not, in the yeah. Big Ten. It didn't exist in the Pac-12. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I think that the, this is where, like, it, this is unfair to the Olympic sports, is that when people are thinking of sports, I think people, the ones that people are thinking about are part of that 40%. They're thinking about football the, and basketball well, and, you think about and fo- baseball. Football is, a like, think about... Volleyball. Um, the revenue ones. Think about how many, if we're talking a percentage of the athletes, of the student athletes, there are a hundred football players mm-hmm. that are part of that. Yeah. And that's the biggest. And like how many are on the, the golf biggest, team? The biggest like 10 team maybe? On, yeah. In, in, yeah. Um, I just looked it up, by the way. SC Baseball is playing at LMU this year. Yeah. Huh? They, they have the Blue Monster wall in, in left, left field at Page Stadium. But a, anyways. No, no mean to derail you. My parents are LMU alums. 
Yeah. Let let me know university. <laughs> what? Wait. Let me. What does LMU stand? Isn't it Loyola Marymount University? No, I, no, I know that <laughs> part, but there's a thing like LM, LMU in, in text lingo means something, isn't it? Let you're me, think you're mixing up. Let me know and hit me up. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ignore me. I see. I'm I'm a cringy millennial over here. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So my my thoughts on Jen. I don't, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, I'm here, done. But, I, but, I just, I was rambling. Go for it. But my thoughts on the Jen Cohen stuff was, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I thought she really asserted the NIL stuff. Uh, she said that, you know, we are competitive with everybody else. I thought it was, she was saying the thing that we had talked about before. Like, I know that SC fans are frustrated with the NIL stuff, but like she sort of insinuated too that like nobody knows what the hell's going on either. Like, yeah. uh, that, she she was confident in how SC was competitive there, which I think is a good thing. Um, if that is truly the case, like that that is that is a good thing for SC to be. But also, I think it's so new that like the opportunity, the the ideals of what we think they could like the the dreams are endless, and I think that makes every like you go to on an Alabama board and people are not happy with what they're doing with NIL, and you go on an Oregon board and they're not happy with what they're doing at NIL. And it's like, there's no gold standard for what success is. And when that's the case, it's hard to know what the, like how to measure it, how to measure what's good or bad, which makes it both exciting because you can take advantage of this, you know, brave new world, but also terrifying because I think you can, you can also not know what the hell's going on. You can, you can be behind the eight ball. And uh, she talked about how the rules are constantly changing and not everybody's following by the rules there's also probably a lot of people not following by the rules just out of, you know, maybe ignorance more than than just malice too, just because everything is so new. It's hard to understand when, you know, they, they, she talked a little bit about the, the when are you going to be on what side of what as a coach too? Like, what can you do as a coach? What can you do as NIL stuff? And like, they're, they're, they're trying to streamline those things. They're trying to, there's be new legislation um, from the NCAA about that, which is going to be helpful in establishing clear lanes for where the coaches can be when it comes to recruiting and stuff, which I think is going to be helpful. Um, but all in all, I thought, I thought, Jen Cohen sounded great. Go listen to the interview over at the Parasol podcast. And um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily any, you know, smoking gun kind of thing or yeah. like amazing one little thing that, you know, I think it's going to catch on to be like the, the big newsy Talking thing point. out of it. But yeah. like all of it together, I think was, you have to feel good about where SC is in terms of leadership. Like I, I think SC's in a place in which the, the people the people care and that's what you want right yeah 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 for sure yeah i think jen cohen does a great job of portraying that at least which is which is good which is absolutely good um other coaching stuff that we haven't got to uh talk about yet uh alex grinch has a new job he's going to be the wisconsin safeties coach and alicia you know what this means saturday september 28th Alex Grinch returns to the Coliseum. Oh, he will get a, uh, he will get a response. <laughs> that much I'm sure. Will he be on the field or in the booth? I don't know. I it'll don't be know. it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes when he and the Badgers 
come to the Coliseum September 28th. Uh, he gets reunited with uh, Tackett Curtis, even though Tackett Curtis is a linebacker, not a safety. Yeah. But uh, that's where that is. Um, USC has hired former Oklahoma wide receiver Spence Jones as a grad assistant uh, on offense. Uh, and USC graduate assistant for the secondary, Will Johnson, was hired away at uh, North Dakota State. So that was he was the player to <laughs> was be that, named was later. That the player to be named later. Yeah, the coach to be named later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in in the Mad Ants deal. Um, other news, of course, Jim Harbaugh has left Michigan uh, for your Chargers. Um, he's taking uh, defensive coordinator Jesse Minter and strength coach Ben Herbert with him. Sean Moore, of course, named as the replacement in Ann Arbor, uh, and of course, as he plays Michigan the week before. Uh, Wisconsin as the first uh, ever Big Ten road game that USC has September 21st uh, at the Big House. Big game, big early test. Yeah, will be will be fascinating for sure. Yeah. Uh, other news: uh, basketball. Uh, USC's men's basketball is uh, boo boo sauce. Is bad. is the word I would use? Boo boo sauce. They're not good. Uh, they just got jiggle bagged by UCLA. Uh, the Bruins won a twenty-two to four run before halftime. That's a yeah. true uh, snarf whirling that they got over there. USC has lost five games in a row um, by an average of twelve points. This is it, right? No, no, I don't think it's it because Andy Enfield will get to cry injury and uh, excuses will be made and he will be retained. This has got to be for it. another year of my pain. Is, uh, I, I think this has got to be it. I have been saying I, it's I it th- for several years. Now, I think you is can, all I am saying. You can have this year. You can have an injury bad year. If it wasn't for all the other thing, you know what I mean? Like this isn't a one. The real, like, no, the, no. Okay. The, the, the question this is that a one off in asked. the sense of like, this is this being this bad is a one off, but like this isn't a one off in terms of like coaching. Does, concerns. does LeBron James intend to let Bronny James return to USC next season uh, with the coaching that he has received? That is the question, the ultimate question, because uh, the answer will let's, should inform USC. Let's give Bronny some agency here. I don't know. I'm, like, it's, it's, I understand the, 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 I mean, this season is probably proof there, that, that, that the idea that he can go to the NBA draft is, is extremely, uh, not plausible. Right. Um, but also I would, I would argue personally that um, allowing him to be coached by Andy Enfield is not a strategy to get him to the NBA either. Sure. But I am a hater, and everyone big should hater. know that already. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, big shout out to Tim in the chat hey. for uh, a super chat. Uh, he says, here's 10 bucks for the jiggle bag sighting. We also got a super chat from West Texas Mike earlier. Yeah. Uh, with no no comment, so yeah. cheers. Here, that. West Texas Mike, this is for you. Good old Bucky's. Buckies. Yeah. I need some beaver nuggets. We do. We had beaver nuggets recently. A couple couple We did. A month month ago? Yeah, we had beaver nuggets a month ago. Those were absolutely but have you okay. Side side plot here before we get to the mailbag. Favorite Bucky's item. I love these the glasses that we have. That's a cop out and a half. 
what other Bucky's items do we have? Unless we're ca- like, are beaver nuggets an item? Yeah, I'm talking about things you get at be- at, at Bucky's. Oh, okay, things you can buy at Bucky's. Where is, are is, you on the on the roasted almond thing? No, I'm I'm a beaver nuggets person. Yeah, me too. I I I've never gotten one of the brisket sandwiches. I mean, I know people love the that's brisket a sandwich. good point. We've never done that, and we need to we need to try it. But yeah. the whole the the song kind of wigs me out a little bit. So yeah. But beaver nuggets and a big ass drink. I'm I'm all for it. Uh, Glenn in the chat says beef jerky. Yeah, they have they have a ton of that too. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, uh, we got a YouTube comment from Greg. Uh, I'm more optimistic about this team than I have been uh, since 2018. Last year, I never bought into the idea that Grinch was going to make this defense better. I would ask that if he got this defense to be top 70, is that good enough? Clearly, it was worse than last year. Uh, the defensive coaching staff has been around a success. Lynn being hired from the Ravens and knowing that the scheme has shut that has shut down uh, Washington and the Texans and the 49ers is good. Entz winning titles at North Dakota State. Henderson winning a Super Bowl. Belk being on a national title winning team at Alabama. Nua being on a Super Bowl team. What success has Grinch or Williams or Manning or Odom been on? And it was a bad idea from the start to bring in defensive assistance from Oklahoma because they couldn't get it done over there. Also, every team except Penn State will be breaking in new quarterbacks. Hartman, Daniels, McCarthy, Tagovailoa, Penix, Moore are all gone. I'd say the best quarterback SC will face this year is Riley Leonard at Notre Dame. I think this defense is a golden opportunity to take advantage of the inexperience or lack thereof of talent at the quarterback position. He's kind of talked about a lot of these things earlier. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with um, the 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 elevation of the coaching staff defensively. Um, I I agree, it was a mistake to bring those guys over from Oklahoma. I understand how that mistake was made, but it was a mistake, obviously, based on the results uh, and the the correction that has been that has been put in front of us is about as good as you could have asked for. Uh, and the the vulnerabilities of teams on USC schedule will give USC a chance to go out there and, and immediately prove that this isn't a four to five year process. This is a this is a, a quicker turnaround than than uh, people might expect. And and I kind yeah. of one thing I I think we're going to continue to talk about as the season gets closer is I kind of like the idea of USC playing from an underdog perspective, not like a literal underdog perspective, but you know, from USC teams to me that have had to fight their way up the top 25, like, rankings have always just been, for whatever reason, it just always feels like it turns out better that way. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think that this team could be one of those teams that gets ranked in, like, early top 25s, like, in the in the closer to 20, maybe even left out in a few and all that kind of stuff, and then, you know, win a few games, win a few games, build up some momentum, and then and then go from there. I, I need to stress the nuance of what I'm about to say because I know that nuance is lost in a lot of a lot of things that is ever said. Um, I I am with Greg in the like Greg says that I'm the more optimistic about this this year than any year since 2018. I am not to that point. I mean, I would have been more optimistic last year, especially since you're bringing back the Heisman winner. You went out and get got Dorian uh, yeah. Singer. And 
we, we talk about the changes on defense this year. Well, they made changes on defense last year too. And so like, yeah, I think there were reasons to, you know, you know go in to think that, you know, playoff and all those kind of things. Right. So I'm not, I don't think that going into the season that my expectations for this upcoming season are anywhere near they were a year ago. However, and this is where the nuance is. I think that this team just might be one of the most interesting teams in a long time. Like, like genuinely fascinating. Interest. I have no idea what to expect. You know, like, like I, yeah, I've, I talked earlier that, you know, reasonably ex- expect eight and four just as a very conservative like baseline for what things can be just just for now and then we you go from there but like there are like it's the as much as it kills me that called the college football landscape is changing and i don't like change change is exciting like there's so much variance right now in college football you know so many coaches moving all over the place teams shifting conferences, quarterbacks moving everywhere. Like, I think it provides so much volatility that anything can happen. And then you combine that with this being a USC roster, which might have some of the most uncertainties that I've ever seen, ever. But they're like uncertainties that aren't necessarily bad. Like the uncertainty of the quarterback situation is fascinating. Like, I don't think that USC is going to have a bad quarterback. No, but like, I genuinely don't know if it's going to be Moss or Mayava. And like, I'm, I'm really intrigued to find out what's what that's going to be. I'm genuinely intrigued to see what the receiving core is going to be like. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm very excited for this upcoming season because there's so many interesting storylines. And so I won't say I'm I'm super optimistic about SC's chances this upcoming season versus everything else, but this team might be one of the most exciting teams in recent memory, strictly because of the interest level of all these different things. Like, yeah. obviously you wish that you were returning your Heisman winning quarterback. You wish you were returning defense that didn't have all questions, and that would be super exciting time to live in and all that stuff. And, like, you wish that SC was, you know, still 6-0 and back at the time that they were a few months ago and all those things, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, there's so many intriguing things that, like, I am fully bought in from the narrative side of, like, from the storytelling side of, like, I want to see how this pans out. Like, I'm this is a book I want to read. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, like I think the defense can be very fascinating. Will they, will they be great? Will it be an epic... Failure. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to freaking find out. And like that alone has been, you know, I think encouraging because it's, you know, coming after the end of the season where, you know, the wheels fall off and you you get to that point where like everything becomes a slog. It's like, how are you going to rebuy in? Um, Not only, you know, if you're a USC fan, but as a spectator, as a commenter, as a what a podcaster about mm-hmm. this team, like how are you going to rebuy in with with energy talking about this team going forward? Well, you can do that when they have a situation that is so freaking fascinating. I don't know. Like yeah. it, it's an exciting time because I don't know any of the answers, and I, I and no I, one does, and, and that's, no one does. And that's yeah. I I think that's 
I think we we're all be guessing. Everyone is guessing sure. of yeah. what's to come, and uh, and you can sort of look at it one way or another, and and you might end up being right. But it will be if you're right about what comes this season, it won't because you had foresight. It's because because the clocks just you know sure. will be the, it will be twelve o'clock at some point. Um. So yeah, I'm I I'm with you. I think there's a lot to look forward to this season. A lot of mystery and, to 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 be sort of revealed. And the other thing is, Kenny says, whenever we've had high expectations, it hasn't worked out. But our most fun years had no expectations going into them. Yeah. I think that could end up being a situation like this. Like. Yeah. I don't think like there are no national title expectations going into this upcoming season. That's why I think there I'm, were no playoff expectations. That's why I'm with Greg about being optimistic because like it's truly a season where being optimistic doesn't have to mean that I think USC is going to win a national title. We're going yes. into the 2023 season. Right. Being optimistic would have been me saying USC can win a national title. Mm-hmm. And this year, it's more like I'm just optimistic that the direction of the program will be positive as opposed right. to just as opposed to like an expectation of what that positivity, yes. like where that lands USC yeah. in the end. I, I think one of the most exciting things about this upcoming season is that there isn't like a strict rubric of like, obvious, again, obviously you want the team to be a national title tighter. I can speak national title contender going in the, into the season where like, you know what the rubric is. It's win every game and get in the playoff with your Heisman trophy quarterback. Like that's what you, that's what you live for. Right. Um, this season, I think is going to be very exciting because that rubric isn't there. Like the rubric is just like, are they getting better on defense and how much so, uh, and like that, I think will just make the season. Hopefully, it might feel interesting. it might feel a little bit like um like like twenty twenty two where twenty twenty two USC for all intents and purposes was playing with house money, sure in the sense that like it's year one we don't know what to expect um mm-hmm. and then and then USC went out and and sort of exceeded expectations there even though they didn't get somewhere in the end but. The exceeding of that expectation it does was, feel kind of like that. Too, yeah, too. was was fun because yeah. because realistically, like all of your expectations are not fit uh, on this coming season. They're about what you can expect from the season after. Yeah, the coming they're, season. they're big picture expectations. Yeah, which like is, yeah. the, what happens in twenty twenty four sets expectations for twenty twenty five. So twenty twenty four sort of has the 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 a lighter load of of pressure. I think for that yeah. reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to an email we got from Tony and Nora PA. Uh, quick comment on Fish, Jed Fish. You know he cried the blues last year when Dorian Singer left Arizona for SC, but it's okay when he leaves Arizona for Washington, and that really shows what a bum he is. He only met with his team for 10 minutes before bolting town. He's now on my list of teams that I hope lose every game. Wow. <laughs> Um, I, you f- you feel strongly about that, Tony? That's fine. Yeah, I yes, I I told I totally get the the irony there that the that the players um and the coaches leave on completely different terms and whatnot. I also would say, how is a coach supposed to leave? That would make every like that would work for everybody. I don't know what the answer is. Like the the idea of like, well, you have to meet with your team and then. 
How much do you want to they meet with them? They don't want to hear from you. They also for don't want to hear from you. Like, yeah, if, the, if the if the if the outcome is always you leaving them, they don't yeah. want to hear from you for five minutes. If if they, if they have a two hour conversation with you, people are upset that like, why are you wasting my time talking? Like, yeah. I don't like West Texas Mike in all in all caps. Don't time the coach's party and speak. You'll never be. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any way to 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 to. To do it right, there's, there's, but this is also this is also why like how do you how do you break up with an ex? I, uh, yeah, breaking up it, it, there's no good way to do it. Yes, you just you just face do to it. Face. Yes, is don't the best do it method, over text. Like, that's the only. If you're a coach, if you're a coach, you just don't do the breakup over text. If you're a person, you don't do the breakup over text. Whatever it is, right. you just stand in front of them. You take your lumps. You get it over right. with, and it doesn't. There there is no good way to do it. That's the, the reality. Um, but this is also why I think that I appreciate, for instance, Clay Helton's approach to transfers. I appreciate so far Lincoln Riley's approach to transfers, although he hasn't necessarily been presented with one that was as painful as as some losing Dorian Singer. Um, but the idea of like the dudes are going to transfer, we wish them well. Yeah. Um, no hard feelings, whatever, because. You may be the one who's going to turn around and n- number one, you will be turning around and taking players from other programs as well. So don't be a hypocrite. Right. And number two, you may be the one that has to leave. And it's just like, be recognize the position that you're in, recognize the position that they're in mm-hmm. and uh, empathize with other people. And, and don't be um, yeah. don't, like Iliam in the chat says, don't be a, don't be a clown like Pat, Mar- Pat Narduzzi, like just, yeah. The reality of the game is the reality of the game, and you work within it. Yeah, that that was Narduzzi was was very much um, mad about Jordan Addison and 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 others. Addison and losing him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very much like lost the video game behavior kind of thing. Yeah, um, where if it was on the other foot, he wouldn't have cared. Yeah, uh, but but like that's how coaches are. That's not yeah. just the Pat Narduzzi thing. Like, Williams right that. <laughs> Coaches are full of BS and look out for number one like anyone else. Yeah, yeah, right. And yeah. this is, you know, we talked about it before, but like you you had made the, the comment recently, just don't don't listen to every single word that the coach says when they're talking about like, this is my dream job and blah, blah, blah. Like that, that's, all those things are subject to change. Also, yes. I don't think that necessarily... It, Yes, coaches can be full of BS. I also don't necessarily think that coaches are lying no, in some instances where they're like, but you said that you would never leave two months ago. Well, two months ago, two he months might ago, have actually thought he was never going to leave. Two months ago, you told your girlfriend that you loved her. And yes. now you're breaking up with her. Like, right. this is this is not just coach. Like, this is just people. People yeah. change their minds. Things change right. for people. People change. People prioritize things mm-hmm. in different moments. Um, you can be perfectly happy in the position that you're in one week, and then yeah, the next I, week you have a an aha moment where you're like, "No, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna do something mm-hmm. different." Or a new opportunity comes around, right. or whatever it is, and you make uh, that decision. Uh, like, Alicia, I, I'm just gonna say it right here. I'm not gonna leave you or this podcast ever. Well, we're gonna hold you as to it that, stands Michael. right now. As it stands right now, we're gonna hold if you. If Kate to that. Winslet comes tomorrow and and says, "Do you want to start a Chelsea podcast?" And you know what? I I and it you might know what? Change. To be totally honest, to be totally honest, if Kate Winslet knocked on our door and said, "Michael Castillo, run away with me," and you did, 
I would, would I be hurt? Yes. Would I not want to have a, a, a an hour long conversation with you where you say, no, I'm leaving for Kate Winslet. Sorry. Where the outcome is this, you leaving for Kate Winslet. I might not want that to happen, but also it might just be a the next day after I sort of sat down and took a deep breath and thought about it, I would go, yeah, if Kate Winslet had knocked on the door and said, Alicia, run away with me. I, I probably would have said yes. So, you know, it's. It's true. It's Kate Winslet. It's, Kate it's a Winslet. Chelsea pod. Like, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I, yeah. I don't even know if she supports Chelsea. I don't know who she supports. It doesn't, doesn't matter to yeah. me. Yeah. It's Kate. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, let's go back <laughs> to uh, YouTube comments. Um, okay. Sagar says, what comes to mind when someone says that they are still writing checks, <laughs> writing 2023 on personal checks? Okay. So I misread this when I first, you know, the little inside baseball, we have a little virtual studio we, we, where we can sort of uh, star comments and then come back to them here in the in later on uh, and when I first started this I th- I just was reading this really quickly I thought the question was when p- what comes to mind when people are writing checks still in 2023 and I was ready to reach over here <laughs> and grab the checkbook and say we are because our apartment building still takes checks. Uh, but what comes to mind when someone says they're still writing 2023 on personal checks, uh, that sounds like something I would do, to be honest. Because when when do I write the year? Like, it is it is weird to think about what year it is. Yes. Um, I remember being a kid and, like, the first time I had to write 2000 on a... <laughs> in the corner of the paper, or nine, oh, this is ninety nine and not ninety eight now. Like that was okay. This is this is me admitting something. I have um, what I call a a post mortem um, for my for my job. That is something I've started for the new year, sort of a new year resolution. Where every day at the end of my shift, I have a spreadsheet where I sort of have some check boxes for things that I want to have done every day. And I sort of give it a color coding. Like, was this a good day? Was this a not so good day? Like write my notes about like just how I felt about my shift or whatever. And I am just now realizing that I have written one 23 so every I, single date on here is 23. I had this problem in, in, in elementary school because... I always had this problem in elementary school. Because I was on... we It was an all-around... We were year-round. And my track... I was track A. Track A was sort of like the most realistic to normal tracks, but uh, to, to normal schedules, but not really. So, like... We would have summers off. So the school years technically started July 1st or whatever, right? But we didn't start until the middle of August, which is more normal-ish, right? But yet we would be off at the end of the winter. And so it would... then So basically our Christmas break wouldn't end until the middle to end of February, so like that's how long the winter break would be, which means that I wouldn't be writing the date. You wouldn't in, get into the habit of it until quickly. almost two months into the new year, which means I never I never had that experience in January of being like the, the first month, the first week back and like getting used to writing the name wrong or the, the date wrong. So it was super prevalent because it would take forever because I was behind the eight ball. Um, 
But that was just elementary school. Well, I it's, it's I was I was behind the eight ball. I mean, I was not behind the eight ball, and I still I still would always mess up. Um, and obviously, I'm still and still doing that now, and I'm now fixing this. So, yeah, yikes! <laughs> it's it's 2024. Which <sighs> when, when I write the check for the rent in a couple of days, I will make sure that I put 2024. 20, yes. Uh, Lamont says, do you know if they are still keeping Taylor Mays on staff any kind of role? I believe it's important to keep to just to show uh, get access to the team of what it really means to be a Trojan. Um, there have been no indications that he's not on staff. We talked a little bit about um, the staffer that USC did lose. Um, and uh, I feel like we would hear if Taylor Mays was was leaving. Um Oh. It's getting close enough to the approach of camp that I, I'm sort of assuming that he's gonna stay. I'm just making that assumption, but uh, I don't know that we can know that until we get the spring primer. When we get the spring primer, that will definitely um, confirm that. Uh, the other thing I was gonna mention is that um, I don't remember to see if this even got out there, but the there was the. Um, Oh, well, I don't remember what it was called, but there was an, some sort of award for coaches that are non non on like, fields. Yes, and um, one of the, it was support staff coaches or something like that, and it was like one of the it was Ryan Doherty was was one of the finalists for uh, yeah like analyst of the year or whatever, um, and I. Th- He's the guy who basically is USC's special teams coordinator, even though he's oh, yeah. <laughs> he's not really SC's special teams coordinator because SC doesn't have a special teams coordinator. Uh, but he's funny. the analyst who is assigned with that special job, teams. essentially. Yeah. He was named for the national job, the, the national award, which I thought was hilarious because SC fans have a full diaper over the, the special team stuff. And yet here he was in that's purely because getting the award, that's but like purely because Zachariah Branch Zachariah Branch kicks. exists. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's always funny that those things are, are sort of like that. So, uh, all right. Uh, um, last last comments here. Um, you, you guys are running rampant in the chat about <laughs> Kate Winslet, West Texas Mike. If Michael and Kate Winslet run off together. Would Michael and Alicia still do Reign of Troy together? Or would Kate Winslet be here for us to rip Andy Enfield with the same fervor? No, no, it's me leaving. I'm, <laughs> I, I am leaving SC podcasting altogether to become a Chelsea pod. I'm moving to England. I'm, you know, leaving everything. I'll, I'll it, it'll be a um, Reign of Blue. Uh, <laughs> Reign me, of Blue. Me and Kate. Yeah, and hopefully she leaves a spot for me on the door. I mean, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, I would just have to find a new co-host. Um, I don't know. Oh? That's that's news mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you, If you're running off to do a, wow. a Chelsea podcast with Kate Winslet, then I get to no, run off and do... No, you're supposed to sit here and suffer and, and, and be sad. <laughs> Uh, Ilium55 says Kate Winslet is now the official Rod Hall pass. I mean, was there any doubt? Um, <laughs> funny on MC. So, Alicia, who would you run off with? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, 
Because um, Ilium 55, if Malapai and Winslet got together and went to Chiefs <laughs> games, would Michael hate them? Yes. Uh, I think, unf- uh, yeah, I'm sh- unfortunately. I was trying to think of like a Kate Winslet like equivalent, like a, an actor or something like that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not currently enamored with any actors. Wow. Um, I mean, if Virgil Van Dyke showed up at our Virgil. front door, I I would I would go hang out with Virgil Van Dyke. So I thought you were more of a Javi Alonso guy, girl. Okay, so you brought it up. Um, if Javi Alonso came to my front door, <laughs> see ya. Can <laughs> <laughs> you, you tell him his name sucks? No, I love it. Chubby, chubby, chubby. Okay, so this is apparently a, a De Artola thing and our and our spouse's thing because my brother, uh, who's also a Liverpool fan, has al- always wanted to name his firstborn child Chubby, and his uh, his fiance was like, absolutely not. So, you know. Oh, uh, Ilium in the chat says Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Trust me, Orlando Bloom has been very, very, very high on the list of. Uh, of Alicia Hall Pass people for really? a long time. Orlando yeah, Bloom? Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom, specifically the Orlando Bloom that existed on the posters for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Did you have that poster? No. Was I, that your version of like the, that wasn't the, the Farrah post- Fawcett poster? No, that wasn't the, the Farrah Fawcett poster. But if I had to pick, like that would be that would be high up there. Oh. Um, All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do. I'm getting the text from Kate, so we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to call this one. So, uh, we will be back uh, next week to talk more USC football. Uh, potentially next week we might have a change of schedule, uh, just because it's Super Bowl week, uh, and we've talked about it before. We uh, we share a virtual studio with uh, with uh, Chiefs podcast, so we might have to move things around time wise. Um, so we'll have to figure that out. But uh, either way, we'll be back next week. So keep your eyes peeled over on the YouTube for when the live is. Make sh- Perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Uh, hit the bell so you get notifications of when our live shows are and all those things. So uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we'll be ready to you know, be downloaded wherever your app is that you listen to us and all of that. Email address, randoftroyfansite.com. Phone number. 818-643-7227. Until then, we will see ya. Uh, and by the way, keep the blue flag flying high. Up the rest. No, no. It's... it's, it's. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.